I told you that it would take me no more than 30 minutes to nail down whether you're going to have a midlife crisis or not? No joke, only about 30 minutes. I've been doing this for about two decades. Now, certainly I haven't been assessing for midlife crisis exclusively for two decades, but what I've honed in is a skill to really perceive quite quickly what's going to be the strongest predictor that you're going to hit midlife and have a crisis on your hands, right? Wouldn't you like to know how I do that? All right, then keep listening. You're listening to Straight from the Psychologist's Mouth, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I have taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, gosh, today it's going to be so exciting. So exciting. We're going to be talking a lot today about midlife, midlife crisis, what that is, what it isn't, how most of us just are, you know, with midlife dissatisfaction and adjustment. It's a little hard, but for some of us, it gets real, real hard. And what it is that I do, like this magical skill that I have that I can nail it down for you within about 30 minutes. And if you don't believe that, here's what I want you to do. In the notes today, there's a link for my 30-minute free one-on-one coaching. And all we'll do in that 30 minutes is assess this for you. So if you're a woman in midlife and you're a little curious about Hmm, does Natalie really have this predictive power? Does Dr. Natalie really know what she's talking about? I want you to sign up and let, and within about 30 minutes, I can tell you where those soft spots are and whether or not they're probably going to lead to a crisis versus leading to just problems. So again, in the notes, there is a link to meet with me and schedule it right now if you have any thoughts that you would like to know how I do this and what I would find out and be able to tell you. All right, let's get started. So midlife crisis, I mean, this word gets thrown around all the time, (laughs) all the time. What is it really? Honestly, when you're reading about it, like if you Google midlife crisis, because I've done this just recently, actually, I was looking for some statistics. So I'm curious, like what will come up? Holy moly, it's all over the map. Like there are some statistics that say like 30 to 40% of people between the ages of 40 and 55 are saying they have a midlife crisis. And then there's like other articles that are more like, well, it's more like one in 10, one in 10 adults in midlife get to the crisis level. Eh, But, you know, most of us, it's more of an adjustment and we figure it out. Okay. 
One in 10, still pretty high folks. Let's think about that. 10% of people between the ages of about 40 and 65 are having midlife crises. So again, what is this thing? Well, so I'm a clinical psychologist and from a mental health standpoint, how we define the difference between, you know, just an adjustment, just needing a little extra help um, while you're going through this gap between the level of stress in your life and the lack of resource that you have, there's a gap there. That's, you know, usually what we would see for people in midlife. You, you are having to completely adjust your life. I, I won't lie to you about that. So all the ways that you learned how to deal with things prior to this point in your life kind of don't map out <laughs> into the, the future. And that's really what you're adjusting to. You're going to find new ways, right? And that, that happens because our roles change and we're doing different things and we think a different way, not to mention that we have a different agenda on this second half, right? Like we had a lot of time to burn in that first half of adulthood. And now we're looking down the barrel of something and we don't want to miss out. So we're going to dial in, we're going to double down and we're going to make sure that we make meaning in this last half of our life. And that's what usually this adjustment period is about is like, man, I got to cut the fat, any of the old things that I do that really aren't serving me or working for me, I got to change. I have no idea how to do that. So you might go see somebody or you might get a midlife coach or an empowerment coach like myself to help you adjust through it. But what really gets to crisis? Well, crisis is when this gap between your level of stress adjusting to the changes in midlife and your level of resources have a gap that's significant enough that you are experiencing true symptoms of depression, anxiety, or trauma response disorders, okay? And then you need a therapist, like really, you do. But let's get to this, how does Dr. Natalie even know? How does she know, how can I put my finger on this pulse? Okay, well, there are five areas that over the next five weeks, we're going to go through, but there are five areas that generally pop up as the places where you're going to have the biggest adjustments. Okay, not going to go through those five areas. You're going to have to listen over the next five weeks if you want to get that information. But I can tell you, if you Google it, there's five common ones that come up over and over and over. And this is true for men and women. It's not just for women. So in those five areas, there are skill sets that we need. And if we don't have those skill sets, I can nail it for you why you're going to hit for sure some midlife adjustment issues and possibly some midlife crisis issues. So again, if you're interested at all in figuring that out for yourself, I'm offering that for free. Just go into the notes from the podcast today click on that discovery or deep dive call with me and we'll figure this out for you. I can give you just a real good outline of what you are heading into and what you should be paying attention to. And if you're already having a little trouble, maybe I'll help you with that. So I'm pretty sure that by now you're, you're like really dubious. You're really skeptical. Like what is she talking about? So let me give you some examples of how quickly I have been able to dial this in. So I recently was, you know, talking to a new client of mine. We were going through this, you know, here, here's the areas and what, what's going on in those areas for you. And, you know, I overheard her say something to the effect of, 
Uh, well, I don't really, um, I keep, I, I'm a pretty private person. You know, I keep that stuff to myself. Um, and I like, honestly, I've been independent my whole life. Like as long as I can remember, I've been independent. Oh, oh, okay. So I'm, I, I come back to her and I'm like, I, what I'm hearing you say is that you've had to do things on your own most of your life. Okay. And uh, you take some pride in that obviously. Yep. Yep. That sounds true. Okay. And you've chosen to be really private about that. Can you remember like what would make you have wanted to be private? Really? I don't know. I've just always been a private person. It's just my personality. She says, okay. Okay. So here's the thing. I heard you say earlier when we were talking about growing up that you had a parent that needed more parenting from you than you got from them. Yeah. That's true. I told you that I had a parent that really emotional immaturity was at its maximum. And I really took care of their feelings more than they took care of mine. Like I had to adjust myself around them so that they never got set off. Oh, okay. So if I'm hearing this right, I'm saying to her, if I'm hearing this right, what happened is that that parent taught you not to talk to them not to share your feelings and to hyper independently take care of yourself. Does that sound about right? And it's like at this moment, you guys, <laughs> that I see something in their eyes and they're like, holy crud, she has just nailed this for me. What the what? I have never thought of it that way. All right. Well, guys, I've been a trauma therapist for a good 10 of my two decades of 10 years of my two decades, uh, working as a clinical psychologist. And I can tell you not everybody, everybody's had traumatic experiences. Not everybody ends up having trauma response as a result of that, but everybody's had traumatic experiences. And certainly there are these developmental experiences that are very formative. And because that's my area of expertise, I can dial this in pretty dang quickly. So what I was able to help this woman understand as we, you know, went through her profile together was listen. So in childhood, it was really adaptive to know ahead of time how to prevent any kind of conflict from happening with this, uh, this parent. But the only way to do that is to never burden them with yours. So you had to hyper independently take care of yourself. Okay, great adaptive during childhood, started to do it. You know what happened? It got into your subconscious. This is a, a subconscious behavior that you're doing. What are subconscious behaviors, Dr. Natalie? Okay. Well, subconscious behaviors are things like let's learn to drive when we're 15, 16. And when we're first learning, we're having to like really pay attention to all the things because <laughs> it's like, where's that line? And oh my God, I got a single signal. And what's the rule here? Who's got the right of what? You're thinking about all those things. All right. At 46, Honestly, guys, at least three of the five times that I commute, <laughs> I have like 20 minutes of it that I'm like, oh, I lost that completely. I was listening to my podcast. Don't even remember passing that exit. Holy moly. Okay. I know that you have this experience too, because it goes into our procedural memory. This is what our brain does to be efficient. Like we learn a skill, but we put it into our procedural memory where we're not paying attention to it. And our subconsciously without our awareness or telling our body mind to do it, our body mind just does it. We get in the car, we turn it on, we do the things done. So for this individual that I was helping create this, you know, um, 
we were looking at what what might be causing this midlife adjustment issue for this person. We were looking at how how she learned to be in childhood not only was adaptive in childhood, but it built this reinforcement system. She felt good about it. Like if she nailed it and didn't share her stuff and her parent didn't get any kind of conflict, like any, like it, it didn't disrupt anything in her life. She felt pretty good. She's like, Oh yeah, I got that. I got that. But this goes into procedural memory now. Right. So now I'm hiding things. I'm not, I'm not sharing my stuff. Actually, over time, I just don't even have the skill sets to know what my stuff is on the inside, but I know what your stuff is. I've got my my pulse on my boss, I've got my pulse on my friend, that lady in the PTA, whoo, girl, I've got my pulse on all those people and I'll make sure that no conflict happens with them. And I can do that automatically in my sleep because it's in my procedural memory. And not only can I do it, but when I do it, I'm super happy about that. <laughs> I'm like, whoo. Look at me doing all, I'm so good. All right, so here's another one. Here's, here's one of my favorites because this one comes up all the time. Another client comes in and talks to me about difficulties in relationship. So it was in a, a marriage for this individual. Difficulties because not feeling appreciated. Doesn't that sound familiar? Like, you know, it's been years and years. We're kind of more cohabitating than we are actually a couple kids are aging. And so, you know, I'm kind of sitting on the other end of the couch going, I haven't put any time into the, this relationship and I'm not really sure I want to sit on the other side of this couch. And you start, you know, stewing and you're thinking and you're like, yeah, cause I don't get any attention for any of the things that I do. Like nobody pays attention to how much work it takes to run this house. Nobody appreciates me. And especially not that dude on the other side of the couch. <laughs> My spouse, worst ever. Okay. Okay. So this is what they come in. This is what they present. And this is what, you know, we start to talk about it. All right. All right. So tell me a little bit about the conversations that you've had with your spouse, where you told this, this person, um, in order to feel good and be appreciated, these are the things I need from you. Have you had those conversations? Well, sure, we fought about that. We fight about that all the time. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about fights. I'm talking about how many of these conversations that were amicable, where you sat down and you said, this is what I need from you. And your spouse said, this is what I need from you. And then you started doing those things. How many of those conversations happen? Here's how this goes. They come out of this conversation with me saying something to the effect of, I know you've heard this, something to the effect of, well, they should know that. They should just know that I should be appreciated. Like I shouldn't have to ask to be thanked for doing these household things. All right. That particular myth is super, super damaging to relationships because it's BS. Let me just be clear, straight up BS, but there's a lot of us that believe it. Here's the reality. I don't know how many of you know intuitives, uh, people that can read minds. I don't know how many of you know those people. They're certainly out there, but there are very few of them. And I don't do it, and you don't do it, and probably your spouse is not doing it, right? So do they really know what it takes to, to make you tick? No, they don't. They don't. They've, they've lived with you this whole time. They've lived with you this whole time. 
They've been in their own head. They've been doing their own thing. Like sometimes they're dialed in, sometimes they're not, but they're not going to know with any kind of detail that if you, all they had to do was say, gosh, you keep this house up nice. Like, man, I'm going to take you out. Cause like you are the bomb. Like if they knew that many spouses would have been taking care of that. They would have, if they learned about it in a fight, they're not going to do it for m multiple reasons. But the top two are a, they didn't really hear it because in a fight, we're not taking in information. We're just spewing it out and ragefully discharging. And so we don't actually hear what, what got told to us. So that's the first reason. And the second reason is when we're in the middle of a fight, we're likely kind of in a, a developmental age in our mind. That's like a scrappy teenager. Right. And what do scrappy teenagers do when their parents tell them to do something? Absolutely everything but that thing. Right. <laughs> so if you're fighting with your spouse, A, you didn't hear what they told you to do or they, you know, whatever. But on the other hand, because you're both in your scrappy teenager mindset, like if you each heard it, you're like, I'll be damned. I'll be damned if I do that, right? So this is the other one. See, I, I, and I can pick these things up. Like it's subtle. It's real subtle because you're presenting me with a, you know, here's the adjustments hard because of blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to be able to detangle that with you. I swear to God, within 30 minutes. And, and what's so powerful about that is if I can pull that out, then I can give you direct things to do direct things like, okay, I need you to do this. And in order to do that, I'm going to need you to do this over here because that will support that. So like with this lady, you know, we're going to have to talk to the, the spouse. If you don't talk to the spouse and tell the spouse what you need, um, they're not going to know. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to get over this belief system that they're supposed to know. Okay. So here's a set of things I want you to do that helps you realize that's BS it doesn't serve you and replace it with a new way of looking at the world. All right. Well, even if I get through that, man, it's been years and I am just resentful, like resentful. I'm talking 20, 30 years of this stuff. Like, could they have just accidentally thanked me once or twice? What, why, why did it have to take this long? Okay. So here's another set of things that I'm going to need you to do to take care of that thinking process because it's going to get in the way. If you believe the myth that they should have known and you believe the myth that they should have accidentally got it done and you hold on to that resentment, those two barriers will keep you from ever enjoying that relationship, period, end of sentence. But here is what you're seeing in both of these examples. There's this aspect to adults that almost seems like we have an immunity to change, right? That we have an aversion to change, that somehow, like we know better. I, I want to I run a 5K. I'm going to have to start running every single day. At least like I'll start with 15 minutes and I'll go up to have this great plan. I've looked it up on the interwebs. I've got it on my calendar. I've color coded it for crying out loud. Do I do it? No. Why? I don't know. Cause I know better. <laughs> like, 
why, why? There are versions of this in adult lives. I start thinking about it, start thinking about it. There is somewhere in your life where you've tried repeatedly to change something, to do something, to meet some goal, and you've gotten in your own way. I promise you the reason for that immunity is somewhere early in your development, real early, you learned not to change around this. And it was so important that it was like, it felt like life or death when you were in that little kid zone. And if you think about it, why? Well, the chasm between the stress and, and a little kid's resources is huge. That gap is like a Grand Canyon, my friends. So if they figure out a way not to feel like they're in that, um, you know, conflict in their household or, you know, nobody likes them. They're not good enough. If they figure out a way to feel good enough, they're going to do that thing over and over and over. And just like any learned behavior in humanity, when we repeatedly do it, it goes into our procedural memory and we stop having any conscious awareness that we're doing it. And we start applying it generally. Gen we generalize it to tons of things. We don't even realize that's what we're doing. We are in our own ways, my friends. And this is why it is such a powerful thing to sit down with somebody like myself that has this expertise. 30 minutes in, I can go bam, bam, bam. And then from that, I can say, if you adjust here and if you do these kinds of things and if you try this over here, I, I promise you, like you can't, if you're doing those things, really doing those things, you can't not change this behavior. And once, honestly, once you have the connection, it's that, it's that thing in their eyes, right? So if I go back to my, my first example and this lady sitting across me and I'm like, so, so there's this parent and you were having to take care of their feelings because they didn't, they couldn't handle if you were having big feelings of any kind. So what you learned is I'm not going to have any big feelings, going to keep it all in, going to be real private. That made your parent really happy. So now you feel pretty proud about being private. And you feel pretty proud about being independent and taking care of your own stuff and not needing the adult to take care of your stuff. How ass backwards, though, is that if we're talking about a child that's four or five or six years old, and this is how old they are, like younger than that, when they start to like, seriously, this is what you brought into your adulthood is this kind of procedure that you are not realizing now in every single relationship you're doing that. Here's another one, anger, one of my favorites. So, you know, have somebody come in and they'll like, I have an anger management problem. I just, I cannot stand stupid people. <laughs> like, oh, well, like, you know, I, I, I have a pretty good, big aversion to them myself. So tell me more. What do you mean? Well, like, I just can't let it go when people are doing things that are just dumb. I have to correct it. Okay. Okay. So, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, like, what does that look like? Very, you know, like I know how to do it. And I, if they would just do it the way that I would tell them life would be a lot easier. Okay. Okay. So then when they're not doing it the way that you would want, that's where this anchor is, is surging. Yeah. And like, I, you know, like I've gone through relationships, I've gone through bosses. I, I can't keep a, you know, a job for more than a few years. Like I just can't stand stupid people, but now I'm in my forties and like, I don't have a 401k worth anything. Cause I've 
flipped and flopped between these jobs. I don't, I'm not married yet. And that wasn't really what I wanted. I actually did want a relationship, but, um, I, I can't stand these guys. Like I, you know, I start dating and oh my God, I cannot stand it. It's just not for me. They're too dumb. They're not listening to what I say. Okay. Okay. So then I'll, you know, roll it back. Let's roll it back. Let's, let's look into the past and let's talk about, do you remember not liking stupid people when you were little? Usually people don't actually. Do you remember being angry when you were little? Maybe like I was a tantrum kind of kid. I, I had a little bit of an attitude pretty early on. We'll start to dig and we'll start to find there was a reason why that needed to happen. You know, I've had, you know, a, a client where it was because they were, you know, given the job of parenting two younger children because their parents were in the midst of a divorce or separation and fighting and then separation and then divorce. So there's a long period of time early in this, you know, client's development where nobody else was parenting those kids. So they were parenting those kids <laughs> because somebody had to do it. Right. And the resentment built and, and, you know, a child with their black and white thinking would think if everybody just does it the very way I say, then it's going to be okay. And would get really frustrated with younger siblings when they wanted to do it their way. Right? So now this has gotten pushed into procedural memory. If I control other people and they just do it the one way that I see that we can do it, then I can be happy and I won't be angry. Anything else I'm going to be angry. I mean, again, you start to see these little light bulbs go out or go up in people's minds. They're like, whoa, like I've been doing that for a long time. And the next wave that usually shows up as we start to realize that we've participated in our own suffering in some capacity, like these different examples I've given you today, is, you know, we really want to be hard on ourselves. We really want to beat ourselves up and be mad. That's one side. Or we want to start to blame shift and be like, well, it's, you know, my parents' fault. Um, it's my spouse's fault. It's, you know, somebody else created this and damn them to hell that my life is where it is right now. And I'm having this adjustment issue. I'm having this midlife life transition issue. Listen, neither of those places of being angry at yourself or other people is going to let you shift. That is an immunity to change. And so I have lots of different steps that I would give you. And I'd say, like, do this and do this and do this. So that you can let go of resenting yourself or them or both and you can change. And I promise you, I've seen it over and over and over. People get better. People get better. So 30 minutes of your day, like not, not a lot of time, not a lot of investment. You should really go to the notes and click on that and set up a 30 minute deep dive call with me. Because if any of these things are clicking, like, Oh shoot. Like I do have this thing where I'm always like, I know better. I should, I should know better. I should be able to do this. <laughs> Why can't I change this thing? Why can't I lose the weight? Why can't I, you know, uh, find the partner? Why can't I, you know, sink into my career and really like it? Why do I get bored so fast? This thing keeps repeating itself and it's popped up its head several times by the time you hit your forties or fifties. That is something that you and I, within 30 minutes, I can give you some real clear 
indication of, hey, this is why it's going down. And here are some things I would suggest. This is what's beautiful about coaching. When I do therapy, first of all, I do trauma therapy. And so for people that come in and, you know, something in their development, they started doing uh, because of abuse or neglect or, you know, some other kind of really difficult traumatic experience, I first have to make sure that they can even tolerate listening and figuring out like where those connections are. So we start, you know, building up those skill sets on the front end. And it's a lot of trauma becomes a very front loaded therapy and the stuff we think is trauma therapy, like let's get down to the skinny of it. Let's talk it through. Like that doesn't happen till the very end. And if you've done it correctly and you've helped people have those skill sets, by the time you get there, man, they figured it out. They put it together. They walk out the door. They good to go. Right. Like that's, that's some great trauma therapy. And I've been a trauma therapist, like I said, for at least 10 of in 10 years of the last two decades. So it's a little bit different with that, but with this, with coaching, what I love about it is super clear like 30 minutes, people, that's all you need to take. And I can give you clear, clear evidence. This is why this is repeating in your adult life. This is why you have an immunity to changing it. Here are suggestions for fixing that. Done. Now you can take it or leave it. You don't actually have to do what I suggest that you do. I mean, I also am not invested in, in, you know, making your life better if you're not invested in making your life better. But listen, I'm your biggest fan and I can give you a clear map to start on. And what I'm going to be doing over the next five weeks is talking to you about these five areas that keep coming back as the major stressors in that life transition of my, of midlife, right? If you want to go from, you know, I'm midlife and it's middle age, just all that, that negativity, like you can stay there if you want to, but if you want to shift into feeling like, no, I'm centered in my age and I'm centered in my life, I've got wisdom under my belt. There's a couple things that I need to figure out because I keep doing them, but I could figure those out. And the rest of this life, man, I can make my mark. I can leave a legacy. I can make every minute count from here forward because I have all of this knowledge now. Some of us though need us to put a little mirror up in front of you. Make sure you know you're doing that thing. Remember that you have been programmed to do since you were a little kid. You're doing that thing and it's not working here. It's not serving here. So could we shift that for you? So I love that coaching environment because all I'm going to do is like, this is why, this is what you could do go be with God. No, <laughs> I mean, go, go take care of yourself. So I have these next five weeks where we'll go through these five top areas. And at the end of that, I'm going to be starting a brand new six week program. And in that six week program, I will do a really in-depth assessment with you. So it's not just the 30 minutes, the 30 minutes you'll get that that's there. And I'm going to do a really in-depth assessment. So I can also give you some indications of like, here's your strengths, here's your vulnerabilities. So here, you know, like I'm going to tweak some of the things I, I recommended so that they uh, obviously use the strengths and downplay any vulnerabilities or any um, deficit areas, like just stuff that you're not as skillful at, right? I'll give you a much more in-depth assessment. And then, you know, for six weeks, peeps, we're going to go through this and we're going to make sure that you have in action 
these things that I've recommended and you start to feel that change. You start to feel that shift. Six weeks is a good amount of time to really start to hone in on some new habits. Now, at the end of six weeks, is your life all completely better? No. I mean, come on, people. You're in the the center of your life. You know, this is not how that works. (laughs) So I am not going to promise at the end of six weeks that life is like, ooh, and now I just don't, I don't have any problems. No, but you'll know what your problems are. You'll know what the remedies to those problems are. You'll know what the barriers and immunities to change you have around trying to do those things. And you'll have a clear action that you've already started, that you've got into a habit within six weeks that now you're going to take forward into your life, keep practicing, and that will turn into the life that you're designing that you want to live in, not the life that you've been living up until this point, feeling kind of stuck or feeling like you're repeating the same thing over and over. This is beautiful. You can have it too. So keep Keep listening, you guys. Now, like and review all of my podcasts. Please, 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 please send this to anybody in midlife that you think could use hearing this this message today. Like, oh, my friend Sally. Oh, my God. She keeps dating that same kind of dude. I'm going to send her this podcast. This would be helpful. I hope she can hear it. But honestly, like, review, send to friends. Let's get everybody coming for the next five weeks. Let me help you understand. Here are the five areas. Here are the, you know, kinds of key things that feed into that, that I see that I could nail within 30 minutes for you. And at the end of each one, I mean, because I'm just... I'm trying to help people. I'm still going to give you some recommendations for what you can do, but it's not as effective as if you come and do that 30 minute call with me, because then I can do something specific for you. It's not just kind of these general ideas, but rather like you and I are going to sit down and we're going to nail it so that you know what you specifically have to do. You're not just trying out all five of the recommendations that I have over the next five weeks. But come on, people, we're going to do this. And in April, we're going to do this six-week program, and it's going to be beautiful. This is going to be a nice way to really make 2023 the best year of your life, to really create, like, this is the mark. This is my center. And the the life that I'm going to live forward from this, I take all of my wisdom and I'm going to apply it into my future, and I am going to live the life I want for myself. I'm going to live the life I love for myself. And any of the times that those stuck places come up, I'm going to have the skill sets that Dr. Natalie gave me so that I can kind of peel that back and I can start within 30 minutes going, oh, dang, that's why that's happening. (laughs) And if it's that, then Dr. Natalie told me I should start to do these things. All right. Okay, everybody, I am so excited about the next five weeks. I can't even tell you. I am so excited to be able to see some of your faces. I'm hoping that that a lot of you go into the notes, click on that 30-minute freebie for yourself, and let's get down and dirty. Let's figure out what's getting in your way. How are you getting in your own way in your life? Let's figure that out. Let's give you some directions on how to fix that. Done. I, I It's such a beautiful thing. All right, everybody. Let's keep learning to love our stories and let's keep other people learning to love their stories by sending this podcast to them. And even more than that, let's start to get out of our own 
dang way and live the life that we want for ourselves. 